This is Blue Wire. What is up, friends? Welcome to the latest episode of Fin It to Win It. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, diehard Dolphins fan, and the host of this pretty rad Dolphins podcast that we've been rocking for about two months now. And uh, we are counting down till the start of the 2019 NFL season, and we are now on the doorstep of less than nine weeks away next Monday. So at the beginning of next week, we're less than nine weeks away. Training camp starts in just over three weeks. So it's getting there. We're getting close. And I always appreciate taking this time, this this time in the summer where there is nothing going on to, to kind of look back at history and, and learn from history, learn from the history of the Miami Dolphins and do some fun exercises, one of which I, I took to USA Today's Dolphins Wire and made a, a post of at the beginning of the week. And I, I posed the question, and we're going to explore some of the options today. I said, if you could take any one player, historically, from the Miami Dolphins and place them on the 2019 team, who are you picking? But you cannot pick a quarterback because everybody in their right mind would select Dan Marino to be the choice to get put on this football team. So Dan could carry another talent-ridden team to 10 or 11 wins and a first-round, second-round exit in the playoffs. I digress. That one hurt me to say out loud, to be honest with you. But uh, some of the options that we came up for, for uh, the poll that I ran on USA Today was defensive end Jason Taylor, first ballot Hall of Famer, offensive guard Larry Little, center Dwight Stevenson, linebacker Zach Thomas, cornerback Sam Madison, wide receiver Mark Duper, or other I got some interesting other votes. We'll discuss them. But I do want to start at the top of this list and work my way down. So the first name, Jason Taylor, makes a ton of sense. Dolphins pass rush situation is poop. Let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade here. It's not good. The outside linebacker position, a lot of unproven talent, whether it's Andrew Van Ginkle, J. Rona Elliott, Tyrone Holmes, they, they're in a bad spot as far as that rush linebacker taking, borrowing that role from the New England Patriots and the outside linebackers in the base 3-4 looks are just as bad. Charles Harris, 22nd overall pick in 2017. Looks like he went about 200 picks too early to this point in his career. That's another thing. Let's get off a of side change on Charles Harris since this is a uh, a pretty laid-back time of year for us. We could talk about how uh, Charles Harris threw 26, 25 career games out of a possible 32, first two seasons in the NFL, has three sacks and 17 hits of the opposing quarterback. You look at since 1996 when they started tracking hits on quarterbacks for pro football reference. And the only notable names that are on the list of players in years one and two combined that have three or less sacks and less than 20 quarterback hits are Randy Gregory, 
and Brandon Graham of the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's the catch. They played half as many games as what Charles Harris has. So for those of us who are hoping to see Charles Harris elevate his game with Brian Flores, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely possible. But it would be a complete outlier as far as the track record of that happening. By and large, if you were going to have any kind of breakout whatsoever, it was going to happen by now. Which is why Jason Taylor, for me, was the first name that came to mind as a first ballot Hall of Famer that played in the modern era. He played in the the late 90s and 2000s, 2010s. Phenomenal pass rusher, but a diverse defender in general. You know, he, he was an outlier in his own right, and that was the greatness of Jason Taylor, was being able to make all the impact plays and uh, the defensive player of the year season that he had in which he was just everywhere. One of the most special seasons that me in my lifetime, I'm 30 years old, so I missed the boat, right? All the, the four decades of greatness with this franchise, nope. By the time I turned 10, it was all over. I couldn't appreciate any of it. So Jason Taylor, that special season that he had, even though that team was not good, really stands out to me as a lasting impression. That kind of difference maker on defense in this year's group, where I actually like the core of the team. I think they're strong up the middle, interior defensive line, inside linebackers. If you don't count Kiko and you're talking about Raekwon and Jerome Baker, and then the safety situation, however that shakes out, I think they're pretty strong up the middle on defense. They got Xavier Howard on the outside. That's great. Get another blue chip difference maker in a Jason Taylor in his prime makes a lot of sense. And suddenly this defense has a very, very different feel to it. So I think we can all agree that Jason Taylor is a really viable option for this exercise of which non-quarterback from Dolphins history are you plugging into the 2020 Miami, or 2019 Miami Dolphins? My next take is a hot one. I'd like to apologize in advance. Despite the fact that the Miami Dolphins have desperate needs along the offensive line, I am not touching Larry Little or Dwight Stevenson in this exercise. I don't know if everybody realizes this, but Dwight Stevenson played at 255 pounds. Larry Little played at 265 pounds. Those are linebackers in today's game. So that's the difficult part with a lot of the historical guys that you're looking to project into today's game. Is is the game is very different. And I don't feel like 250, 260 pound interior offensive linemen in today's NFL is going to be a recipe for success no matter how good they are. It's just, it's a physics thing. The the athletes today versus 30, 40 years ago are so much bigger, faster, stronger. And because of that, uh, I have no choice but to, to simply just gloss over the greatness of guys like Stevenson and Little, who in their own era were special football players and, and Hall of Fame players. Rightfully so. They made a huge difference for the Dolphins. But they would not make a huge difference 
for these Dolphins because it's a different world out there on the gridiron now versus what it was. That hurt to say. God, I'm a masochist today, apparently. Hurting myself left and right, throwing shade at Dan, throwing shade at the Hall of Fame players. Let's get back on track. Let's talk about Sam Madison, cornerback from these great early 2000s Miami Dolphins defenses. You could also make a case for Pat Sertain. I wouldn't get mad at you. I wouldn't fight you. I'd let you have it. Shoot, you could you could mention Troy Vincent too. Vincent went on to have a great career with the Philadelphia Eagles after leaving the Dolphins in the, the, the 90s. But for me, Sam Madison's the guy. Out of the great corners that the Dolphins have had in their history, they had a lot come into the picture in the 90s and beyond. And Sam Madison would be the one that I would want to play next to, or I should say across, from Xavier Howard. Today's game is all about, as my co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast, Joe Marino, likes to say, pace and space. That's what today's NFL is all about. Spacing the field, playing fast, forcing mistakes, miscommunications. But when you got Xavier Howard and you got Sam Madison in coverage, you've got two ball hawks. You've got two guys who are really, really effective locating the football in the air, making plays on the football. I don't care how bad the Dolphins' offense is. If you got Sam Madison and you got Xavier Howard, you're going to have a plus-minus turnover differential. Even without the pass rush. Blitz. You can bring blitz with those guys in the secondary. Bobby McCain. Minka Fitzpatrick, those guys covering guys in man-to-man coverage in the middle of the field, you can bring an extra defender or two because you've got guys that, if I know I'm not sticking Bobby McCain on Julio Jones outside, he's playing man-to-man coverage against a slot receiver, and I got Minka on the tight end, and I got Sam Madison and Xavier Howard. Hell yeah. Let's strap up. I'll go play tomorrow. You can put me in middle linebacker. I don't care. I'll get my butt run over. I think that's a really, really attractive option in the in the relative spectrum of like historical Miami Dolphins. These guys that played in the, the late 90s are the guys that I'm personally going to gravitate towards before I ultimately, at the end of this show, make a decision and do pick somebody who would be my personal choice. And then I'll encourage you guys to go over to uh, DolphinsWire.com and make that vote for yourself as far as who you would actually like to see make the call. Before we go any further today, I do want to talk to you guys about our sponsors for today's show. We've got two of them, two two sponsors that we are very thankful to have, very lucky to have. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter whether you're selling with Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Fin It to Win It listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major characters, including the Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping option for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time 
with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. ShipStation.com, make, ship, happen. Do you guys know what the worst sound in the world is? It's your alarm clock going off when you haven't gotten enough sleep. No matter how much you love that song on your phone, when it wakes you up in the morning, you just want it to stop. And let me tell you, ever since I started working from home, I used to be that guy that was up at 5 every day. Some days I'd be up at 4.30. Get my workout in before I had to go into the office when I was working the old lifestyle, the non-media lifestyle. I spent several years working in the the fitness industry before I got into sports media uh, and football media and NFL draft coverage and I always used to be quick on the draw to get out of bed in the morning because I had to hit the ground running to go get everything I needed to do for the day. Well, I've achieved some of my personal dreams and that's resulted with me working from home, which is awesome until I want to get up early. I can't. Imagine yourself in this scenario. The surface temperature of your bed gradually adjusts to wake you up gently and naturally without the sound of the alarm. How awesome does that sound? Imagine now waking up rested and alert. This is not science fiction. This is the new pod by 8 Sleep. The pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. There's a reason why Time Magazine calls 8 one of the best inventions of last year. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleeping tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, You can now have both at the same time in a crazy, comfortable bed and no more alarm clocks. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase, a $300 value free. Offer ends Monday, July 8th. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash blue wire. Getting back to the task at hand, finding which non-quarterback from Dolphins history makes the most sense to get plugged into the 2019 Miami Dolphins. Zach Thomas was another name that I had mentioned. Didn't expect Zach to get the kind of love that he got in the comments when everybody kind of filed their votes. Uh, Zach actually got the second most votes. Sam Madison got 2% of the vote. Zach got 20. And if you presented to me the Dolphins roster in 2019, and I'm looking at the linebacker situation, yeah, I mean, it's it's young guys. It's guys that I need to know I can get a stud, but I feel like the Dolphins feel they have a stud in Jerome Baker. And Raekwon McMillan's a really physical guy. He's going to fit very, very well into the Patriots' style defense that you're going to see Miami begin to implement. Kiko Alonso is going to be an afterthought. By by this time next year, Kiko will not be on the football team. Bet the mortgage on it. Guy turning 30, big cap hit. Minimal cap penalty next year. Youth movement already underway. Cannot envision a, a way in which Ke- unless Kiko plays like 2017 Kiko. Don't hold your breath. Zach Thomas, the second highest vote getter. I don't know if this is nostalgia here, 
And don't get me wrong, Zach can play all three downs and be great. Zach Thomas is, has Hall of Fame numbers for a linebacker. The fact that the man hasn't gotten into the finals once in five years, and Brian Erlacher's a first ballot Hall of Famer because he was AP Defensive Player of the Year one year, when Zach's got better stats everywhere except for passes defensed, it's nonsense. Zach should be in the Hall of Fame already. But I don't think he should be the second highest vote getter. I don't think he should get 10 times the amount of the vote of what Sam Madison got. You have a real hard time selling and pitching me on that. And it comes down to just what the Dolphins have. I feel much better about the Dolphins at inside linebacker with Jerome Baker and Raquel McMillan versus what you have opposite Xavier Howard at the other corner position. Because if Eric Rowe goes down, and Eric Rowe hasn't played 16 games ever, I don't think in his entire football career in a single season, if Eric Rowe goes down, we're banking on Cordrea Tangersley coming back from the, the knee injury that he had that is probably going to put him on the physically unable to perform list to start the year. Or are we going to start moving Minka Fitzpatrick around again? Are we going to put Bobby McCain back at outside corner again? That's what scares me. And then all of a sudden you're making two spots in the secondary worse. At least with Zach, you've got Kiko is a competent starting linebacker. He's a, he's a roller coaster and he's going to make you want to pull your hair out. Then you got Jerome Baker, who they are talking up big time in Miami. A lot of fans on that coaching staff of Jerome Baker expect him to make a big leap this year. You should too. So Zach's a, a, a choice that makes sense, but I think if you look at the composition of the team and where a difference maker can be had, Zach's just not the highest one for me. Which brings us to the last name that I had mentioned, uh, Mark Duper. Mark Duper, one of the Marks, Mark Duper, Mark Clayton. I don't think people realize that these guys were both like 5'9", 185 pounds playing with Dan Marino. Lighting up opposing all our defenses. And to this day, they're top three in every major statistical receiving category in Dolphins history. Pretty impressive stuff for both of these guys. And again, if you wanted to pick Clayton over Duper, I'm not going to argue with you. That's fine. Much like Sam Madison, if you wanted to pick Patrick Sertain or Troy Vincent, there's options available to you. I think what I love most about Dupe, Super Duper, is he came from Northwestern State University and was drafted in the second round. As a draft guy, for me, my whole football background and experience started in the draft realm. Getting examples from 1982 of the NFL drafting a 5'9", 185-pound wide receiver from Northwestern State University in the second round And for that guy to go on and post 511 receptions for almost 9,000 yards and 60 touchdowns in 11 seasons is just, that's fun. You know, because those players, it's it's a great example, the late uh, uh, historical example of there's always going to be football players at every level of competition that can compete at the highest level. You think about Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted uh, Ali Marpet from Hobart College, which is like Division Three. 
Baltimore Ravens have Matt Judon from Grand Valley State. And Judon's like top five in the NFL in tackles for loss over the last two years from Grand Valley State, entering, I believe, his fourth year this year. Jakeem Grant, Texas Tech. Bad example, but a player of this stature, which makes super duper a, uh, a redundant choice. He's elite, but the Dolphins already have, with Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Kenny Stills, they got a ton of size that's small. And they've got a lot of speed in those small packages. Not going to help me do anything overly different. Now, is, is Mark Duper better than all of the players that I've just mentioned by a significant amount? Yes. But if Duper's playing with Josh Rosen or Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't know how much of a difference maker he can really be. I would love to elect a tight end for this exercise, but the Dolphins have one of the sorriest histories of tight end, the tight end position in the entire NFL. In an NFL today where a modern tight end, a guy that can flex out and run routes up the seam, is your best friend and can serve as a security blanket for a quarterback, the Dolphins have just had terrible tight end play. And I don't know if it's the coaching. Like Adam Gase came in here and his his knee-jerk reaction to every problem on the team was like, I'll just stick that guy that I had in Denver in with Brock Osweiler as the backup quarterback and Julius Thomas at tight end. That that is a a problem that the Dolphins are going to have to resolve before they take the next step as a football team. And there's no end in sight. Because I know Mike Gusecki's on this football team. The Dolphins should should have drafted Dallas Goddard instead of Mike Gusecki in the second round last year, 2018. Goddard is with the Eagles now playing behind Zach Ertz as the tight end too. And he's going to be a more productive tight end as the second tight end in Philadelphia than what Mike Isecki will be as the number one receiving option at tight end for the Miami Dolphins. Book it. And there's no historical fixes. There are some historical propositions that I got from fans in the comments section, whether through Facebook, pro tip, Never read the Facebook comments on anything that you ever post if you're running a team site. Especially this time of year. Kyle, why are you writing about this? This isn't interesting. This isn't news. Why why is Ted Ginn no-showing a 40-yard dash competition Dolphins news? Well, because he's a former Dolphins player, and it's the end of June, and I'm supposed to write stuff every day. Give me a break, guys. I've been carrying that with me all week. I had to take that out on somebody, and I'm sorry it had to be you. Somebody suggested Ricky Williams. Like pre-first retirement Ricky Williams. Which I think would make sense. Because you think about it, that's what this Dolphins offense is is going to try to be this year. They want to be physical. They want to play bully ball. They want to beat you up up front. That's why they added Michael Dieter. Heavy-handed guy like Jordan Mills. Chris Reed from Jacksonville. That Shoot, Jacksonville, that's that's their offense. Is Leonard Fournette in the game? Great, because they're going to run a three-yard sledgehammer up the middle. Just hope somebody pops a big, big block for them. So old school Ricky 
would be a logical choice because he fits what the identity of this offense is going to look like this year, like it or not. I think that that is a true statement. Um, somebody else had recommended Larry Sanka, who is actually one of those old school historical players, like in his prime, that I don't hate. I could actually get on board with that one because he was so physical and, and Sanka's a big dude. Right, So if you wanted to commit to the ground game, Sanka and Ricky Williams are the team's two all-time leading rushers. And uh, if Ricky hadn't had the spells of retirement and the injury with the pack and suspension, he would be the all-time leader in Dolphins history for rushing yards. Um, fun fact, that, that monster year he had before he retired, the first year, when he led the league in rushing with like 1,800 yards. Um, pretty sure he got more yards in that season than what Kenyon Drake has in three years of his career. My producer will look that up here. My producer, spoiler alert, is me while we finish up the podcast here. Um, so for me, we had a lot of options proposed. We had some old school offensive linemen who I'm not overly interested in. We had Jason Taylor, Sam Madison, Mark Duper, Ricky Williams, Larry Sanka. And for me, it really comes down to Sam Madison versus Jason Taylor. And it depends. Do you want to be elite in one area? Or do you want to fill the biggest hole in the roster? Because you can be elite in your secondary, if you take Sam Madison and put him on the list. Yes, my my research has been done. Ricky Williams had like 500 more yards in that one season than Kenyon Drake has in three years. Somewhere, Maurice Jones-Drew is nodding, like that Seinfeld gif with the scar in his mouth. Well, if you guys caught that, Maurice Jones-Drew ranked Kenyon Drake as the second worst starting running back in the NFL. Very disrespectful. Kenyon's a talented dude, has not been given the chance to showcase it yet. Let's hope this is the year. Because we've all been waiting on it. Let's just hope this is the year. I have to pick Jason Taylor for this. Because he plays a position that is so important. I think if you're that problematic at pass rusher, it's going to be very difficult for you to overcome a lot of things. And I think Jason Taylor makes Charles Harris better. He makes Christian Wilkins better. He's going to make Devon Godchild better because he's such a prominent pass rush threat. And you can mask limited options in the secondary with a good pass rush. There's a whole chicken versus egg debate about pass rush versus pass coverage. Give me both. I want them both. And because of that, I'm going to pick Jason Taylor for this exercise. Uh, Listen, I hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Appreciate you guys staying patient with me. We still have great listenership on the podcast despite the time of year, which I'm really encouraged by. I'm looking forward to getting into the season, getting into training camp, getting some guests on this podcast to talk Miami Dolphins football. Had a Dolphins fan ask me to bring Travis Wingfield from Locked On Dolphins on to debate the merits of Jake Fromm, and I would love to do that because I did my Jake Fromm uh, study, and, and he would be an option for the Dolphins if they choose not to invest long-term in Josh Rosen which could be a really interesting conversation with a guy I really respect in Travis. So uh, I'll probably be reaching out to him with an invitation and, and 
We'll try and get some guys on the beat that are, are there for training camp every day once we get to training camp, which is about three weeks away. So I appreciate you guys staying patient. I appreciate you guys carving time out of your day to listen to Fin It to Win It. I'm Kyle Krabs, host of Fin It to Win It, and I will be back again next week. Come on back, see us again. 